inspiring and equipping you to live the life you're destined to live. This is the Ascend Men Podcast. Hi, Adam. Hey, Greg. What did you get up to this weekend? Oh, I was just working, mate. How about you? I had a phenomenal time. Uh, we were sat around a huge campfire. There were 60 of us there. We sang a few songs. We listened to Steve Campbell and John Wilson give four talks, did a bit of bushcraft. We all got up for dawn prayer. We learned how to go up and down a climbing wall. We went down a zip wire and even had time for table tennis, football, foosball, and a bit of frisbee. Oh, wow. I bet that made you hungry. Oh, I forgot about that. We crammed in a lot of food as well. We had a beautiful barbecue, full English breakfast, chicken tagine, and endless supply of cakes. Oh, well, you probably didn't get much sleep then. Oh, I had a great night's sleep. I had a bed in a dorm. It was perfect. Slept like a log. Really? It's just as well you had a long weekend. That was what was so incredible. It was only actually 24 hours. I was even home Saturday night to put the kids to bed. But check out this quote from Friday. You can achieve more here in 24 hours than you can in a month of Sundays. And that was from lead pastor Steve Campbell. Oh, wow. Well, I'm a bit short of cash just now, so I probably couldn't have afforded it anyway. It was only actually 60 quid, and Alan even offered free tickets for those that couldn't make that. Oh, really? Gosh, I missed out there then. Hang on, what's it called? When does it happen? It's Ascend Camp 24, and you'll have to wait a year. Eh? Ouch, that's a shame. I'm gutted. Can they do one sooner, like at the end of summer? Well, no, because it's called Ascend Camp 24. So it can't happen this year. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Terence Ascot was born in London, but has lived and worked in the Middle East since the 1970s, pioneering the creative use of Christian print and visual media. Terry launched the first Christian magazine to be successfully distributed on newsstands in more than a dozen Arab countries. He soon realised that TV would be the gateway into millions of Middle Eastern and Northern African homes, and in 1995 launched Sat7, the first Arabic-language Christian satellite TV channel. This has grown from a two-hour-a-week broadcast to a network of four 24-hour channels, with 200 employees in offices in Egypt, Lebanon, Turkey, Cyprus and the UK. Terry served as the CEO until April 2019 and in 2021 published the incredible story of the highs and lows of this journey through the book Dare to Believe. What a privilege it is to have you with us today, Terry. Oh, thank you, Alan. The privilege is mine to share with you and the men listening to this podcast. Great. Um, well, we always like to get to know our guests with a question or two. So first up, what was your last bus journey? <laughs> My last bus journey was from a hotel on the outskirts of London to Heathrow. All right, sounds very exotic. So I still do use buses. Yes, the hotel hopper is a is a favourite. Exactly. Um, and number two, um, I've heard it said that you haven't truly visited a country until you've dined in the home of one of the locals, and you must have eaten many meals in the diverse countries that you visited. Which was the most memorable? Well, I have to say Lebanese food outranks them all. 
And so any meal I have in a home or even a restaurant in Lebanon is a joy. And any interesting dishes in there that you'd like to recount? Oh, all kinds of things. I don't go for the, you know, for the raw meat, although that's a favorite with many, but um, kibbe and um, hummus and all these things that are becoming better known in the West are great. And the salads, of course. So uh, many of our listeners won't have heard about Sat7, as I mentioned in the intro. So in a few minutes, can you give us a little bit of history and a quick overview? Okay. I I first, as you mentioned, went to the Middle East 50 years ago um, last month and was working with Operation Mobilization in their publishing work. And I was a great believer in literature, thanks to George Verwer, the late George Verwer, um, who had a great influence on my life. And I expanded that into publishing an Arabic magazine that was sold on newsstands across the Arab world. But I was very aware that there are millions of people in this region that cannot read or write and would never read a book or a magazine. There are women, especially, and children who are untouched by most publications. And one one day when I was walking home from my office in Cairo, I came across a family that were living literally at the side of the road under a strip of tarpaulin. And I'd passed them many times uh, on my way home in the past. But tonight, they had a black and white TV set in the middle of the road. Mm-hmm. And there was a power cable running to a sympathetic neighbor's PowerPoint. And I just stood there in disbelief. You know, this poor family that didn't have anything except, you know, living literally at the side of the road with three kids were now watching television. Mm. And it hit me the importance of television. Um, but I had struggles with the phony nature of television. I mean, you have to have makeup, you have to have a good face <laughs> for television, you sit in front of an artificial site, set under artificial lights, and there's nothing authentic. And here we want to try and use this as a medium to convey the ultimate truth of the gospel. How do you do that? How do you mitigate mm. for the weaknesses? And I could go into other things such as, you know, the uh, the unexplicit nature of uh, print or radio, you know, doesn't tell you what Jesus ever looked like in the Bible. But we're going to show you tonight what Jesus mm. looked like, how he prayed, how he walked, how he talked to his disciples. So it's an awesome responsibility to move on from the written word to a visual portrayal. Mm. Anyway, I struggled with these for three or four years, actually, uh, in consultation with different Christian leaders, but eventually came to the conclusion this is too great an opportunity to miss. Not that television was uncensored at that time, but we could see the opportunity of uncensored television from satellites going into homes across the region, and that was the key. Because in my publishing work, everything had gone had to go through censorship in every country every month, uh, and here was an opportunity to talk directly into the region. And we wanted to work with churches, so we engaged all the different churches. Mm. Uh, it's amazing how much we have in common with even the Orthodox and the Catholics in the region. Um, we so often just focus on the differences, but many of them got behind this project, uh, could see it as a great asset for, number one, sharing the gospel with everyone in the Middle East, women, children, people in closed homes, in closed countries, the illiterate, and also 
encouraging and supporting the church in its life work and witness for Christ in some very difficult areas like Iraq and parts of Egypt and North Africa and so on. So it was just too great an opportunity not to do it. But of course, we didn't have experience. We didn't have people. Mm. Uh, we didn't have money. So we started, as you mentioned, with two hours a week and called ourselves a television station, but it was two hours a week. Um, and it took us three or four four years before we moved to a 24-hour channel in Arabic, another three or four years till we moved to a 24-hour channel in Farsi for Iran and Afghanistan, and then uh, another actual 10 years until we got a 24-hour channel going in Turkish for the people of Turkey. So today, you know, we've got a potential audience of 600 million people, most of whom have never met a Christian or discussed Christian things with anyone. So it's an awesome opportunity, it really is. And the responses we get, over a thousand inquiries or posts every day that we're dealing with in these three, three basic languages um, is, is just an amazing opportunity. Wow, that really is. And it's really interesting what you talk about censorship, because the mainstay has been broadcasting into these challenging countries via satellite. Um, and in your book, and as you've just mentioned, um, the, 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 that, that medium is very powerful, but there's a growing impact around social media. Absolutely. And there are drawbacks, obviously, around censorship and uh, the need for literacy to be able to actually use a device um, around bandwidths and the devices themselves. But Sat7 is adopting these new channels. And I was excited to read about uh, the number of um, YouTube views, 33 million that's right. in 2022. That, that's a pretty good subscribership. Um, and half a million daily reach on Instagram, right. which, is, which is incredible. So how, how do you see these new channels evolving and impacting the way that um, satellite has been your mainstay of broadcast. Well, of course, um, we're doing more and more through Facebook and uh, so on. But also, it's a very powerful to be able to use social media for follow-up on audiences, to give them the opportunity mm. to contact us in a secure way, so, for example, through WhatsApp, which is encrypted, and pe even people in Iran can use WhatsApp, whereas other things like Facebook are heavily censored. Mm. Um so there are all these opportunities, and we can upload portions of the Bible, Christian books, testimonies, and we can have private chat rooms for groups and so on. So there's been a fantastic development here. When we first started back in '90s, we could barely, we just couldn't imagine. There was none of these social media trends. They didn't come until the noughties. So it, it's been tremendous. But more exciting, I think, is the future. I mean, you've got the convergence of all these things. Artificial intelligence has obviously been in the news a lot. Mm. Quantum computing's coming, new 5G networks that can manage huge amounts of data, and so on. And, and we don't know how this is going to shape the Middle East. Traditionally, governments tend to resist uh, any kind of media or social platforms that undermine their monopoly of uh, speaking to their own population, such as in Turkey right now, during the elections uh, and the rerun of the election, uh, social media is the only platform the opposition can really use because all the traditional broadcast media is controlled by the AK party of President Erdogan. Mm. So right now we're in this halfway house and we just cannot imagine 
the next five years, what that might bring with it. You know, we've heard about the metaverse and all these other things, VR and so on. Will we be able to use this effectively? There are huge dangers associated with all of these, but there's also huge potential associated with all these new technologies. Mm. Yeah, and and none of this can happen without a big team of people and an organi- a big support organization. So uh, in, in your book, I read, um, you talk about the, the growing pains around the organization around 2005. Uh, not surprisingly, fundraising was one of them. But you say at the time, uh, the biggest challenge was finding the right people in your staff of about 120 or so. Um, I, I suppose it's the, you know, the, the old um, harvest is plentiful and the workers are few. Um, problem there. Um, so that was 2005. What would you say today are the biggest constraints to the impact that SAT7 has in some of these very difficult to reach countries? Probably the same. You know, you're dealing with countries with very small Christian populations. Um, and even the Christians, they're not always committed to their faith. They're sort of nominal in their belief and practice. Um, so trying to find people who've got Leadership skills, managing creative people is not easy, uh, have got media understandings uh, and good at that strategy, and are committed believers mm. that really share the vision of making the gospel known, of supporting the church, all the different churches, putting aside denominational biases mm. as much as possible. This is difficult. Um For example, our chief channels officer who was managing all the channels, a lady, Rita Almanaya, was appointed as my successor as CEO in 2019, leaving a huge gap there to manage at least the Arabic channels. We have a Mm. 24-hour channel for children in Arabic and a a normal uh, Christian channel for the rest of the population. But we haven't really succeeded in replacing her. And so the organization struggles there. Funding, of course, is always a challenge. Um, But uh, God has been good to us during the pandemic. I I don't know why, perhaps because people had less chance to go out and blow their money on (laughs) holidays or meals out. And so people were very faithful in their support during that difficult time, Mm. which we thank God for. Um, Mm. Yeah, these are the the big things, I think, Uh, especially the need for Christians from Arabic, um, Turkish. The Turkish Christian community is extremely small. Less than Mm -hmm. 0.2% of the population of Turkey is even, you know, nominally Christian. So it's it's been very tough. Yeah, and and, and talking about some of these countries... um, looking at the Open Doors 2023 World Watch list uh, of the most persecuted church countries, a fair number of them fall under the footprint <laughs> of SAT7. That's right, yeah. Um, so so how would you rank them in terms of um, hard to reach? I mean, you've talked about the size of the church in Turkey, but what in terms of if you could focus on three of them, which would they be? Okay, well, the three really big countries in the region uh, that have got real clout in terms of culture and politics and military power are Egypt and Iran and Turkey. Um, We have a studio in Egypt. We've had a rocky relationship there, but the president has been very supportive of Christian minorities in Egypt, President Sisi, and um, we're still able to operate freely in that country as a 
Christian broadcaster making programs and broadcasting them live from Cairo. Um, and there's a very large Christian community in Egypt, unlike many of the other Arab countries. Mm. Iran, we did make a few programs in Iran until our equipment got confiscated and the people working with us were given severe warnings. Um, we now have to make all our programming outside of the country. Uh, you could say it's really a difficult country in many respects, but it is the most open to the gospel. People are so disillusioned with Islam. They are so fed up with the mullahs that represent Islam, mm. the oppression, the abuse in the name of Islam that they've had to put up with, mm. that you have actually the fastest growing evangelical church in the world today in Iran. Of course, it got off with a small starting point, but there are now well over a million believers who have admitted in a public survey to a complete stranger that they are a follower of Christ. This is amazing. Incredible. Turkey yeah. is also very important. Again, we, we've been given a license to broadcast our programs from the Turkish government-controlled Turksat satellite, the mm -hmm. only Christian channel that's been allowed to do that. We're very grateful for that. We've, we're just coming to the end of a 10-year broadcast license. We hope it will be renewed, mm. um, and we're grateful for the freedom we've had until now. Of course, things are in a state of flux because of the elections or mm. the indecisive result of last Sunday's election and uncertainty about the runoff in two weeks' time. Mm. Uh, the church, again, is very small, um, but very faithful. And they, they really came out and shone during the recent earthquake. The mm. Christians came in and supported earthquake victims and won the applaud, applause of many Muslims uh, for their good work. Mm. Great. So a couple of questions now about Terence Ascot. Dr. Terence Ascot. I want to kind of dig in here a little bit. So in, in your book, um, you say that uh, at times you were traveling for almost 40% of the year. This was in the kind of 2005 timescale. US, Canada, Scandinavia, the Gulf, Palestine, Lebanon, Turkey, Egypt, and all over. And, and, and you say in your book that um, my frequent coming and going must have taken its toll on the family. So I, I'm curious, was there long-term damage from that? And, and do you regret any of that? I don't regret any of it. Whether I could have done some of it better, I'm not sure. Um, obviously, my absence, you know, gave a certain liberty to my children. They bought a dog when I was away on a trip. <laughs> they, uh, my daughter quit school and got a job when I was away on a trip. Um, but no, I, I think they had a difficult time in terms of they were very settled in Egypt. I was deported from Egypt in 1989. They all had to move. They were, you know, in, in their 8 to 12 bracket. And it, it wasn't easy for them to start mm. learning a new language and a new culture, missing their friends. Um, but God is faithful and God is good. I mean, my oldest boy, I mean, he's an amazing chap. He's um, a teacher. Mm -hmm. And he, he just recently returned to the UK. He's been a, a head of a school in Egypt, a private school and working with the Coptic Orthodox Church. Now he's a street pastor in Taunton in his spare time and involved in a lot of uh, very good activities um, yeah. in Taunton. Yeah. Uh, and a real uh, ball. The others had 
more difficulties, I think, mm. uh, than he did in with all the changes that went on. Mm. But mm. no, I, I don't think I would change anything. God has been very good to us all. Great. And and when you've devoted your life to your passion, it can be really hard to step away from it. Um, and it, it's a common thing when guys retire. And in the penultimate chapter of your book, you talk about handing over the CEO role to Rita El Munaye, who you've already mentioned. Um, and that was just a few years ago, and how you woke up each morning feeling guilty for not yes. being responsible for the worldwide ministry of Sat7. So how, how are you doing with that now? Oh, I think I'm over it now. But yeah, it took a full year, really. It was very difficult. Um, and she's very good at telling me when I'm interfering. <laughs> so what I, my situation You don't do now, that, surely, do you? <laughs> oh, I sometimes do a little bit, yes. Um, but I'm on the International Council, I'm the secretary for that, and also serve on the executive board, on the Persian board, the Egypt board, and the Turk board. And that, so I'm quite involved at a board level in a non-executive role. And I think I've learned to keep out of the executive function. Um, and I hope I bring, you know, some historic wisdom that helps, if you like, keep the organization on track with the vision and mission that was set uh, mm. a few years back. Um, you you mentioned traveling 40% of the time. I looked at my diary last year and I was traveling 40% of the time, but some of that was to, because I have to spend time with my wife uh, who's in a care home in Taunton. She had mm. a stroke uh, three years ago when she was visiting her parents who've, uh, in the West Country Hmm. and she lost the use of her left side and altogether. So she's in need of full-time, 24-hour care. Hmm. Um, so visiting her every month or so has hmm. certainly racked up the uh, the miles while trying to maintain some of the ministry responsibilities that I still have. Yeah, so you still have those. Um, what 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 does the future bring? You're in an office today, which you commuted to. So what's uh, what, what, what do you ever stop? And will will you ever put down um, you know put down your your um, uh, frequent flyer <laughs> card and stop stop things, or is this just uh, Terry until he he gives in and goes uh, to heaven? Uh, well, no, I think I need to slow down. In fact, I told staff that I was going to be working four days a week from the beginning of last year. And when I did a check, it was six days a week. So that didn't work, but I'm, that's still my goal. Um, yeah. Something tells me it's not the staff, it's not, it's not the, the staff that are the problem. I think it's Terry's the problem there. Yeah, I am the problem without doubt. Um, and perhaps it would take some crisis for me to slow down, but I, I have a plan to give up different responsibilities. I'm just stepping off Mm. the International Board of Middle East Media, which I was the chair of for uh, the last five years. Right. And I'm hoping to hand over other responsibilities. Um, I've got a, a lot of legal work that I'm managing in Lebanon at the present time. Um, and that should come to an end within 10 months, I hope. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I hope these things will gradually reduce. Mm -hmm. Good, good to aspire to that. Um, so, <laughs> so my final question, and, and I can give you some time back to go and finish those things off. Um, the, the work of Sat7 may seem a world away for many of the men listening to this podcast, uh, but hopefully this conversation has really got them interested. Uh, apart from getting a copy of the book, which I've just read, Dare to Believe, um, which, is, which is a really inspiring read. Um, other than that, 
what two or three things could they do to support the work of Sat7 into these difficult to reach countries? Mm, well, certainly prayer is a very important part. And if you get onto our mailing list for Sat7, you can do that by going to the UK Sat7 website, which is uh, sat7uk.org. Um, so get news and become part of the prayer support team. Financial support, of course, is always welcome and, and, and needed. And that also can be done through uh, Sat7's UK office. They're based uh, in Chippingham near Bristol. And thirdly, um, I'd encourage you to take a holiday in an Arab country, whether that's Egypt, Morocco, or perhaps Turkey, or uh, Iran. Iran is open for tourists, believe it mm. or not, uh, or Saudi. And they've just given, started giving tourist visas for the first time a year ago. So this would help you to see the real people of the Middle East. They're not the stereotypes that we, mm. we are fed of people blowing themselves up or, you know, desperate, horrible people. Mm. Most of them are family-loving, honest people that really want to please God to help their neighbors uh, and so on. And having said that, it's also wrong to stereotype. You know, Arabs are not Arabs. Every Arab country, and there's 23 of them, are as different to each other as the countries of Europe. They share a basic common written language, but the dialects are all different. Um, and their whole culture, the cultures across the, the region are very varied. So any, any generalities or generalizations are really not helpful. Mm. But it's true that they are people who sincerely want to please God. Mm. And we hope we can give them a way they can do that. But get to know them, whether they're immigrants in Britain or whether they, or whether you can visit them in one of these countries on a holiday. Mm. So three things, guys, to remember there. Prayer, go to the UK Sat7 website for, to get onto the mailing list. Financial support, uh, again, you can do that through the UK office um, and the, the website provides details on that. Um, and finally, you'll not hear this very often on an Ascend Men podcast, but uh, <laughs> the recommendation is to take a holiday. Like we all need those, uh, but take a holiday in an Arab country and you've got 23 to choose from. So um, there's one out there for you. Um, take a holiday, learn about the culture, try to break down some of the the, the prejudicial barriers that we we often put up that stop us really looking into a culture and, and uh, understanding it. So um, come on, guys, let's let's try and do at least uh, we can definitely do one or two of those and uh, maybe try and do all three at some point. So um, Terry, thank you so much for joining us today on on the podcast. Uh, as I said at the beginning, it's a privilege to have you with us today. Uh, the impact you've made over the last uh, well, to the way fifty years. Um, in, in, in these countries, in, in the various capacities that you've been working, whether it's back to your OM days uh, and everything that you've achieved since is, is truly remarkable. And uh, there, are, there are millions of people who are believers in Christ because of what you've done. 
And uh, I don't think uh, anybody will ever measure that through any survey uh, until we uh, end up in heaven together and we just see the diversity and the richness of the people who will be standing side to side with us worshipping uh, up there. So, uh, Terry, on behalf of all of them um, who are living life to the full uh, in, in, in the, uh, the faith of Christ, uh, thank you and the passion that you've had and the drive that you've had um, beside uh, the hundreds of other people who have worked for SAT7 over the years. Well, thank you, Alan. Thank you for letting me share with you and your Ascend Men group. Thank you. That's it for this Ascend Men podcast. If you've enjoyed this content, please share it with a mate. To make sure you never miss an episode, subscribe to wherever you get your podcasts. Together, we are stronger. Stronger.